Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 23rd of January 2011, entitled The Lostness of the Lost, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. I'd just like to say what a, a blessing it is to um, <clears throat> be able to bring Anthony and John um, this morning from uh, Oscott Village. And it's, um, it's an encouragement for me to, to see uh, John this morning um, and the effort that he makes to get here because it is a big effort, especially when um, you're in a wheelchair and you have to get out and get into a car and then get out the car again. And, uh, you know, John has made that effort to be here this morning and to praise the Lord, to worship him and to be with God's people. And uh, that's an encouragement for me. Don't know about you, but um, hopefully it will be. Okay, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, we're going to read from verses uh, 3 down to verse 6. So uh, if you'd like to stand for the honouring of God's word. And uh, verse 3, Paul says, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God commanded for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, preach a message this morning entitled, The Lostness of the Lost. The Lostness of the Lost. And uh, you may be a young person here in this congregation this morning, and you may... Uh, think well, you know this is um, this is going to be something a message that's basically for the older people. You may be an older person here this morning. You may be thinking, well, this is a message for the younger people. There, surely the younger ones are the ones to to witness and to, to to go to the lost people and to tell them about Jesus. This is a message, dear friends, for each and every one of us here and especially for those who, who are Christians. If you are a Christian here this morning, you've still got breath in your life, and God has got a work for you to do, and that work is to be a witness for Jesus Christ until the lost have been brought in. And I would like this morning to bring this message, the lostness of the lost, and... Um, we need to know a few things if we're going to reach out to lost people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we need to know is the lost's condition. Notice in verse 3, <clears throat> it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are, what's the next word? Lost. The first condition that we need to be aware of is that they are lost. The lost are lost. The dictionary 
basically gives the description of the word lost as to be missing or to be away from something that is near. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever experienced being lost. I'm sure that we have sometimes in our life. And it's not a very nice experience. I can remember, this is one of the earliest recollections that I can have of being lost. And actually, it um, goes way, way back uh, to when I was on a beach in North Wales in Abbasock. <clears throat> you may know where this is, uh, Amber. But I was on a beach, and this is where we used to go on holiday. Oh, and I must have been about oh, five or six. And I can remember the day that I went astray from my parents. And I'd just taken a few steps away, and I turned back, and I couldn't find them. They were gone. And as I went looking for them, the more I got lost, and the more I became worried, and I was crying my eyes out on that beach on that day. And I was away from something or somebody that was near, because my parents hadn't gone away. It was me. And I was probably within shouting distance of them, but I had lost them and I became fearful. You know, that's exactly what Adam, the first man, experienced in the Garden of Eden. Let me read you a verse. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9 says this. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam had become a lost soul in the Garden of Eden. See, Adam was in the garden with God, not far away, but he had become spiritually separated from God. And God had to ask Adam that question, where art thou? He'd lost God, his relationship. You know, the Bible says that sin brings a separation. Let me read you a verse from Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. And God says this. He says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. That's what sin does, dear friends. Not only does sin bring death, but it brings a separation. It brings a spiritual separation from God. Why does there have to be a separation between God and sin? Well, the Bible tells us that God is a holy God. Let me read you a verse from Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13. It's about the eyes of God. And it says this, it says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. That's the situation between God and sin. He can't look at it. God is a holy God. We may never really fully understand the holiness of God until we actually get to the glory and, and we're actually with God. Because we live, in a, we live in a sin-cursed world. A world, friends, that is separated from God by sin. He's holy. 
He's separate, the Bible says, from sinners. You know, dear friends, this morning, that if you are not a Christian, the Bible describes you as lost. The Bible describes you as spiritually lost and away from a holy God. I wonder this morning, is God asking you that question here this morning? Is he asking, where art thou? Maybe you can put your name on the end of that question if you're not a Christian here this morning. Where art thou this morning? Where are you with God? Are you in a relationship with him? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? If not, God will have that question asked to you this morning. Where art thou? Not only are the lost lost, but the Bible describes the lost as blind. Notice in chapter 4 and verse 4, sorry, in verse 3, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And in verse 4 it says, In whom the God of this world hath, what's the next word? Blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine, sorry, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible describes the lost, the non-Christian friends this morning, not only as lost, but secondly, as blind. You know, dear friends, that there have been myriads of people that have entered into God's kingdom, God's glory, God's heaven, without physical sight. We've been singing the words of a wonderful hymn this morning by a lady called Fanny Crosby. And I don't know if you know this, but in quite a few of her hymns, you will notice uh, a few descriptions about the word sight. Okay? Even though she didn't have physical sight from when she was very, very small as a child, she had a spiritual sight. But just listen to a few of these uh, words in that last hymn that we were singing. Blessed Assurance. Verse 2 says, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. This is a blind person, but yet she could see. She said, visions of rapture burst on my sight. She could see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, even though she was a blind person. You know, dear friends, that there are myriads of people who will never enter that kingdom of God even though they have 20-20 vision and they may have bionic eyesight. But friends, it's not enough. The Bible says that our minds are being blinded. And we're being blinded, the Bible says, by the God, by the devil, by the God of this world. is blinded the minds of them which believe not the gospel. Jesus said this to Nicodemus. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Very clear. Jesus is speaking here to a man that may have had perfect sight, but he's saying to him, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will never enter the kingdom of God. I want just to, for us to notice two things about this verse. First of all, is that the lost cannot see spiritually 
now. When Jesus says that, unless except you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. First of all, he means that you will not see it spiritually right now. Paul reminds us of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, where he says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Isn't that incredible? You know, you can be speaking to the most intellectual person that you've ever met, maybe on the streets, maybe at work somewhere, and they have, a, they have, they have qualifications. They are intelligent people. But you're speaking to them about the things of God. And it's like talking to a blind person. Just can't see it. You need to be born again. A few uh, days ago, um, I had a knock on the, on the window. I noticed that there were these two people at, at, at the door, at, uh, at the window. And um, I thought that they may have been Jehovah's Witnesses. And I um, opened the window and I said, just one minute and I'll be out. I went round to the front drive and I must have been speaking to these two Jehovah's Witnesses for about 40 minutes. And I can tell you then all that time, it was, like, it was like speaking to somebody that was blind. And this lady said to me, she said, what does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? And I, try, I tried my best to explain it to her. But it was like describing something to a blind person. She just she couldn't see it. Praise God that we can trust God to reveal it to her through, her, through the Spirit, through his word. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But they've got to hear it, friends. But it's like speaking to a blind person. Just couldn't see it. Not only can the lost not see it spiritually now, but the lost will not see it physically in the future. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. They will not see the kingdom of God here right now, but they will not see it in the future as well. Just be reminded of a, a verse, John 3 verse 36. Jesus says these, these words, he says, And he that believeth not to the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. I wonder how is it this morning, dear friends, with you? Friends, if you are not a born-again Christian here this morning, the Bible describes you as lost, the Bible describes you as blind, and the Bible says very clearly friends, that you will not see the kingdom of God or even enter it in the future as well. What a situation to be in. Wow. I hope that is not your condition here this morning. So that's the first thing that we need to be reminded of, is the lost condition. Secondly, we need to be reminded of the lost condemnation. The dictionary gives at least two descriptions of the word condemnation. The first one is to declare something unfit for use or for service. Now, we have many clever and intellectual people in this world today. And you may think, well, 
this person would be great for the, for the church. You know, we could bring this person in and they could do this. Look at the talents that they've got. No. The Bible doesn't, God doesn't work like that. God has given talents and gifts to many people today, to people that, that are lost. But I'm afraid the Bible declares it very clearly that unless we are a Christian, these gifts really are going to fall useless. They're going to be worthless. God wants us to use our gifts for his glory. Oh, yes, he does. Friends, that is how the Bible describes the lost this morning, the ungenerate person as unfit for use or for service for God. Romans 3 verse 12 says this, For they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul inspired in Scripture. It says very clearly here, that they are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. That's how God's word describes, dear friends, a life without God. It's a life that is going to be unprofitable. You may gain, gain many riches and may gain many friends in this life. But friends, it's going to be worthless for the next life, for eternity. It's going to be unprofitable. I don't know if you've heard that quote, which has been said often, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ shall last. It's only what's done for Christ that shall last. What you do for yourself here upon this earth, dear friends, will only have a temporary value. But what's done for God will last forever and it will be profitable. I wonder, have you ever asked yourself the question, what is the purpose of my life? What is it all about? Why, God, have you created me and put me onto this earth? What is the purpose of it all? Well, the answer can be found very clearly in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, where God says, for God, sorry, he describes it as this. He says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You want to know what the purpose of life is, dear friends? God says it's to fear God and to keep his commandments. And if you can live a life like that, friends, your life will be profitable. Romans 3 verse 18 says this. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That is a world, dear friends. That is a nation that we are surely living in here today. We are living in a nation, dear friends, where there is no fear of God before their eyes. Have you thought that maybe one of the reasons why there may not be fear before people's eyes is because maybe there isn't too much fear before the Christian's eyes as well? Maybe there isn't too much fear for God, reverence for him in our lives. Maybe. God's called us, dear friends, to be his ambassadors to be his witnesses. And if we're not shining for him, how are the lost ever going to fear God? We need to be lights, dear friends, 
And we need to go to a lost world with the truth. We need to go with, with this truth, not only with the book, but we need to live it in our lives as well. No fear of God. Some of the things, friends, that you read in the newspapers and you see on the magazines today, something I saw last week when I was in the supermarket in the front of the page of a magazine, the lifestyles, friends, that we're portraying to young people in this land today, it's sinful. And I'm not joking, but years ago when I was, when I was a young lad, I probably wouldn't have seen those kind of uh, things on the front of a magazine where everybody could see it. The kind of lifestyle that it's portraying before people. But we're living in a land, we're living in an age, friends, where there is no fear of God before their eyes. Or may it be very different with us. May we have a fear, a reverent fear for God and his holiness. Not only does condemnation in the dictionary is described as unfit for use and for service, but secondly, condemnation is also described as to give judicial sentence against. Matthew 25 verse 30 says this, Jesus says, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let those who say that there is no hell, there is no literal place of torment, get round this verse. Jesus says, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be, friends, a literal place of torment for those that are lost. And I want to just describe a few things this morning about the judicial sentence that is going to come upon those that are lost. You know that many today, friends, many that are not Christians in this world today are very ignorant of the judicial sentence that is going to, to come upon the lost people. How do I know that? Well, we've got such teachings as universalism, where everybody's going to get saved. We've got teachings that people believe we're going to spend a time in purgatory and then we're eventually we're going to get out. People believe in soul sleep, that as soon as you die, you just go into a sleep until God resurrects you one day. No, the Bible doesn't describe that. The Bible says that it's appointed unto men once to die and after the judgment. It's going to happen, friends, just like God said it will. It will happen. I want to just remind you here this morning about three truths of the judicial sentence that God has for the lost. The first one is the person of the sentencing. John chapter 5 and verse 22. John 5 and verse 22. The person of the sentencing will be the Lord Jesus Christ. John 5 verse 22 says, these are the words of Jesus. He says in verse 21, For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. He will rise the dead physically, but he is also the one that will give life to the dead spiritually as well. And then he says in verse 22, he says, For the Father judgeth how many men? No man, but hath committed all judgment unto 
the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ will be the one who will judge the lost. Why will that be? That it will be because the Lord Jesus Christ has been given that power and authority from the Father. He will be the one that will be sitting upon the throne. He is the one, dear friends, who has those eyes. The Bible describes them like fire. He knows the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. He can see, friends, those things that we cannot see. Those things, dear friends, that maybe you can't even see yourself about your own heart. He sees them, and he is the one who is able to judge, and he will. Not only the person of the sentencing, but secondly, the place of the sentencing. Revelation chapter 20, and we see here, the Lord Jesus Christ will be sat upon a throne. And the Bible says in verse 11, it says, And I saw great, a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. But notice in verse 11 that John, he sees a great white throne. Who is able to sit on this throne? Some sinner? Some pope? Some... No. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, friends. He is the one. He is the one, friends, that is going to be clothed in that white garment. It symbolizes purity. Jesus Christ, the one who never sinned, he will be the one that will judge. He will be the one that will be sat upon the great white throne. That will be the throne, dear friends, where the dead will be raised, where they will stand in front of God and they will give an account of their life before the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the books will be opened. Which books will they be? Well, there's much controversy about which books they could be, but they could well be the Old and the New Testament, friends. Could well be. God will judge us according. He will judge the, the lost according to his word. Not only the person and the place of the sentencing, but thirdly, I want you to notice the perpetuity of the sentenced. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And if this does not get us fired up to witness for the lost this year, I don't know what will. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice here, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, speaking about the Lord when he comes back, he says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, who shall be punished with how long? Everlasting destruction uh, from the presence of the Lord and from the power, uh, from the presence, sorry, from the glory of his power. Notice here the, the, the perpetuity, the time. It's everlasting, friend. Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Wow. 
You want to experience everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? Friends, if you walk out of those doors today, unsaved, it's not because that you have not heard the way of salvation here this morning. It'll be your own fault. If you have ears this morning and they can hear, and you can hear the word being preached this morning, you will go out of those doors like you came in, you'll go lost. But if it happens that you die, there is no turning back, friends. There is no way back. There is no purgatory. There is no second chance. You will face the Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment and you will suffer everlasting destruction. Why would you risk it? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. He's offering today you eternal life. Why would you refuse that? Why? Not only have we seen this morning the lost condition and the lost's condemnation, but thirdly, I want us to notice the lost's consolation. Consolation is described in the dictionary in two ways. The one, the dictionary that, the dictionary that I read anyway. And the first one is the act of comforting, okay? The act of comforting. You know that one of the most effective ways that we can ever get comfort is through this book, the Scriptures. Just turn to a few verses. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And uh, it says here in verse 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You see, God wants to give you here this morning, dear friends, if you are lost, if you are not a Christian here this morning, God wants to give you hope and he wants to give you comfort and it's through the scriptures. If you're a Christian here this morning, friends, and if you are despondent here this morning, if you are feeling discouraged and down, he wants to bring you comfort and he wants to bring that through the scriptures. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, there are going to come times in 2011 where we are going to become discouraged. And I, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that one of the things that we need to do is we need to be ever thankful to God. We need to thank God for what he's done for us. We need to count our blessings. But we also need to find ourselves in the scriptures, because this is where we're going to find comfort as well, in God's word. I think I mentioned uh, something in the uh, adult Sunday school this morning. We were thinking about Abraham and how he went down to uh, Egypt when there was famine in Canaan. And, um, you know, he didn't really hear from God for him to go down to Canaan, but he just went because of the famine. And... Um, you know, maybe he, you know, he was concerned about his needs. He was concerned about his, his food. And I became concerned this week when um, I stepped out of my truck and I almost broke my ankle. And uh, Jane will know how, uh, how painful it looked. 
but she picked me up from the hospital. But I've had to have a week off, uh, off work and I was very concerned about my wages and I, I, tele, I telephoned my boss about two or three times and I was asking him about sickness pay and how much I would get and when I would get it and I was getting a bit distraught. And I telephoned Angelica a few, few nights ago and she said to me, don't you remember the scripture that the pastor brought last Sunday night? He said he was preaching about God supplying all our needs, remember? But God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I've just forgotten about it. But I had to remind myself by being reminded of the scriptures. And that's what we need. We need to be reminded, but we're going to get reminded when we find ourselves reminding ourselves through the pages of the scriptures. Let me turn you to a, a wonderful verse in the Psalms, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter, <laughs> but I'd like you to turn to uh, verse <clears throat> 49. And here we have a psalmist who knew what it was about to get discouraged, but he says this in 49, he says, Remember the word unto thy servants. David is reminding God about his word. He says, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word have quickened me. He's brought life, he's brought me to life again. David needed, needed to be reminded. He needed to be comforted. And he was comforted through the word of God, through the scripture. That's how God will do it, friends, through his word. Never be afraid, dear friend, to point a lost person to the Scriptures. Never think that this has to be the last resort. Friends, we may come across people who we don't know how to talk with, we don't know how to deal with, we don't know how to answer questions sometimes. Never be afraid to go to the Scriptures and to trust God to speak to that person through the Word of God. You may not have all the answers you may not have all the intellectualism, but trust God and trust his word to do the job. He'll do it. There may be some things that we might need to look up, but friends, some things are very simple, like being encouraged and being comforted. We can find these very simply through the scriptures. The way of salvation. So simple, friends. You need to know where, where to find it. We need to be able to share it with other people. Never be afraid to, to lead a person to the Scriptures. So the Scriptures are the acts of comforting. But secondly, the lost consolation um, could also be found in the alleviation of misery. Okay? That is an act of comfort as well. And that comes not only through the Scriptures, but it, secondly, it comes through the Saviour. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 6 says this. It says, the misery of man is great upon him. The misery of man is great upon him. You ask any man, any child, any person that is suffering misery, and you'll, you ask him what the misery is like, and they will say, it is great. It's heavy. It's burdensome. And that misery, dear friends, needs 
alleviating. It needs lifting away. That's done, friends, through the Saviour. Sorry, through the Scripture. But it's also done through the Saviour of the Scriptures. Let me show you a wonderful verse, a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. And I love this verse. It's unfortunate that this verse, you won't find it in most of the modern versions. But this is a verse that is in, in, in its context deals with children, young ones. But it can also be attributed as well to um, adults, those who are not saved. Notice in verse 11, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is what? Lost. That's the whole purpose why God came down from the glory to this earth was to save the lost. Jesus says that I have come for the house of the, the lost sheep of Israel. That's why Jesus came. He came for his people. But not only did the Lord Jesus Christ come for the Jews, but Jesus Christ came for you and me as well. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how I know why the Savior came to this earth. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's everybody, friends. Everybody is included. Not one is left out. Jesus came to save that which was lost. And if you're lost here this morning, friends, Jesus Christ died on that cross for you. He shed his precious blood so that you can have forgiveness of sins. It's wonderful. Why would you reject it? John 11 and verse 28. And uh, this is also a wonderful verse. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's ever a verse in the Bible that uh, can encourage us, to have that um, misery lifted. It's these words that Jesus Christ um, says here. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you here this morning, friends? Are you burdened? Are you lost, dear friends? Are you miserable in your sin? Friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is your consolation this morning. He can be your comfort. And if you're a Christian here this morning as well, he is, off, he is there for you. Be reminded that he is the great comforter. He's the one, friends, that wants to come alongside you and be with you and help you through it. Wonderful. I'd just like to <coughs> finish this morning by just giving um, an illustration about how God, how the Lord Jesus Christ can alleviate a person that is in misery and darkness and sin. I had a friend once who was a drunkard. And if it wasn't for this man, I probably never would have met my wife and I probably never would have um, been as 
uh, well, in, in, in missionary work in, in Israel. And um, this man, he, t- he gave his testimony. He told me how he was saved. And he said that, um, that he, uh, he was drunk, absolutely out of his head with alcohol. And he didn't know where to turn. He didn't know what to do. And he turned to a tract that he'd picked up. And he had read some words of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 6, where Jesus says these words. He says, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And my friend, he said to the Lord Jesus, he said, If you can lift me out of this state, he said, I will put my trust in you. And God saved that young man wonderfully. He became a missionary, and he served the Lord in, in, in Israel for a number of years. He came back to the north of England, and wherever he goes, he shares the gospel. But you see, this man, he was down in the dumps, without any hope, drunk. He was not only drunk, but he was a drunkard. After his next drink, he would have another drink. When he got sober, he'd have another one. Same old cycle of sin. But Jesus Christ lifted him out of it, saved him, never to drink again. Not only saved him from going to hell, but he saved him from the drink as well. Wonderful. And that's what Jesus can do for you here this morning. Two last points. First of all, for the lost here this morning. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, friends, you are lost. Why not trust him today before it's too late? And if you are a Christian, listen to the words of Jesus Christ in Luke 15 and verse 4. Jesus says, go after that which is lost. Go after that which is lost. And if we ever need a verse to take us through 2011, if we ever need a verse that is to encourage us to get out on the outreaches, whether we're young whether we're old, whether we're middle-aged, Jesus says, go after that which is lost. Don't need any more words adding to that. Go after that which is lost. Will you do that this year? You don't have to go out on your own, friends. You can go out with the church. We have an outreach every month. You may not be able to make it on one, but try and make it on another. Please don't go throughout the whole year without participating, if you can, in the outreaches. We need to tell the lost. We need to tell them of their condition, of their condemnation, but we need to tell them of their consolation as well. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the answer to all our problems. He is the answer to death and hell. He is the answer for our salvation. We thank you that Jesus is the way to salvation. Help us, dear Lord, this morning, if we have never placed our trust in Jesus, to ask Jesus Christ today to become our personal saviour. And dear Lord, if we are Christians, help us to take the responsibility that we have to tell the lost that they need to be saved today. Help us all, dear Lord. Help us all. And we thank you 
And we pray that you will help each and every one of us, dear Lord, through these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.